welcome back to Rebel Movement Podcast. My name is Billy. My pronouns are they, them, or she, her. And I'm so excited to have this guest today because we've had a couple conversations before. I've been on their podcast and we've had just conversations sort of outside of podcasting. And it's honestly been a game changer for how I feel about the yoga industry. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming, for being here. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your pronouns? Yeah, so my name is Rebecca Sebastian. I use she and her pronouns. Um, and I am located here in the Midwest on um, land that was Sockfox land before it was claimed by Westerners. <laughs> yeah. And I am a, like a yoga teacher, passionate human. Like I've been teaching yoga for over 20 years now. I've been a yoga therapist practicing since 2011. I own a yoga studio called Sunlight Yoga and Apothecary. So there's also an apothecary in Malawi. Um, I am the host of the podcast working in yoga. And like yoga is the relationship I just can't quit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like I just can't quit us. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just keep pulling you back in. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that I've said this a bit already, but our conversations have honestly been a game changer for me because of the amount of like toxic, and we'll get into this, I think, in a little bit too, but amount of like toxic, I didn't even know how, what word would encapsulate all of it, but toxic bullshit maybe that is in the westernized yoga world and in the studio cultures and teacher trainings and all that stuff and the one of the first I think our first conversation I was like oh hey there's other people that aren't you know super toxic and it, that sounds like a small thing but it felt like a really big deal to be like wow look at this studio and like look how this studio's run so I want to thank you for that first of all <laughs> thank you for saying that when I first started having conversations about like unpacking and deconstructing like the industry that we're a part of as well as what we were taught by our teachers. Like I did it cause it was so lonely. Like it is yeah. sometimes such a lonely place to be. I mean, we show up by ourselves. We're often working where it's just us and our students. And like everybody else felt like my competition, not somebody who I could thrive with. Like I needed friends. Mm -hmm. And so I just started like essentially talking shit. <laughs> People <laughs> like, oh my God, thank God you're here, me though. too. I felt that way. <laughs> Yeah, the feeling of like when you talk shit about something that you've been holding on to for so long and people around you are like, oh my God, thank you for saying it is, I feel like there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's true. You're like, oh. Yeah, it's like a whole, it's like a big body sigh and also all, like so much relief. Yeah. Well, it made me, like I said, like yoga is this relationship I just cannot quit. And part of Part of it is that for years I thought I was gonna quit like this was the only job I had like as an adult really like a professional job. Um, I used to tell myself the story that i'm not very good as an employee, so I was better working by myself. I don't think that's necessarily true, but i'm not I don't fit a lot of boxes that corporate culture necessarily set set out for us, and I think that's a relatable thing for a lot of yoga professionals is yeah. that we're not checking those like typical corporate boxes we need more flexible schedules where maybe we have more i mean to use your rebel personality right like yeah. we have personalities that maybe are not 
in line with what the expectations of a traditional job have. I was a single mom early and being a yoga professional meant that I could work when my son had childcare. Like those factors are so important for us as a profession to acknowledge. Yeah, hundred percent. Is that why um, you have that feeling that stuck out to me that like feeling like you're not a very good employee? Um, yeah. Not, I mean, not regarding you, but just regarding feelings I've had in the past. Although to me, it was more specific, like feeling like I'm not the right fit for a yoga studio, which I was actually told a couple of times, but um, what do you think, do you think it was like the flexibility of the schedule thing or what do you think was the like part of the reason of the, how do I sound like saying this? Are there like more explicit reasons that you think you felt like you weren't a good employee? Yes, I had one experience, so, and I, I will say, like, I have a degree in communication studies, and my emphasis was in nonprofit fundraising, right? So, like, I already knew that I was a person who wanted to make a change in the world. I wanted to help people and make change, and I actually got a job at 22 years old with one of the largest nonprofits in the United States as a professional oh, cool. fundraiser. And you would think it would have been cool because in my head, as a 22 year old naive human being, I was coming in like, we're <laughs> gonna save the world and help people feel better. And my boss was horrible. And I quit by throwing the keys to the office at her face, which was not my best moment, y'all. But like that moment, like I've told myself a story, I'm not a good employee. And then what was really the case was that I was in a really toxic work environment and yeah. it wasn't about me. And that situation actually made me see the studio culture sooner because I realized mm -hmm. that sort of like toxic environment that I was in. Now I first came and I, I was like the first studio that I ever taught at was a pretty toxic culture. There was a person who was running it who was like the guru, right? She was at the top and nobody was questioning her and she ran like a low key cult and it felt like home until, <laughs> until yeah. I was like oh this is that crappy culture again I see you uh, that's <laughs> yeah. so hard but it's I mean it's good that you were able to recognize it but it's so interesting when you put it that way because I feel like this is not just for necessarily for yoga studios yoga teachers as you said or there's places where you like feel like at home or you feel like you fit in and then the, the culture is like sneakily toxic when it comes, you know, there comes to be a point where you either it's like becoming clear that your personality type or your approach is not necessarily everybody else's instead of it being a conversation about that or um, maybe that the management is toxic or whatever. It's all, it always feels like, I'm maybe I'm not a good teacher. Maybe I'm not a good employee, but because we don't have the, maybe we haven't taken the steps to recognize that. Oh, no, wait a minute. This is like a very toxic place. Yeah. And I think ultimately the thing that we have to really check ourselves with is this, does this place feel, do I stay because this negative feedback I'm getting from people feels normal? based mm. on experiences you had like for me that's like childhood right there <laughs> like yeah. like when i went through and it was like oh yeah you're not good enough and you're not doing like like oh no wonder it felt normal to me it was yeah. forcing patterns that i had built as a child and a young adult and then we slide into yoga spaces that are reinforcing all these toxic patterns and we go oh my god but 
I should stay because so and so changed my life. Well, no, yoga changed your life and you changed yeah. your life using the tool of yoga on the path of personal liberation and nobody should be taking credit for that but you. Yeah. I feel like some there are some people like toxic bosses of whatever in whatever industry that will spin it like no I'm the like I take credit for your big accomplishments or your big projects you handed in or whatever. It's like oh you should you owe me so how dare you even question how, you know, how I run things yeah. or whatever. And I think yeah. that's sometimes like a personality type too. Like as a studio owner, I've had employees who've taken credit for my work. Like, oh, oh you yeah. know, and I'm like, oh, like there, mm-hmm. there's a line where we are we as a studio, we are we as a collective. And then there's people who are just like, no, this was my idea. And I'm like, no, no, this was my idea, my resources, my thing. And I feel like, so I once wrote a blog <laughs> that was called yoga studio owners and yoga teachers need couples counseling. Need, we need couples <laughs> therapy. Yeah. <laughs> because there's this weird relationship between people who are owners and people who are teachers that I think is just we're, we've not worked the dynamics out yet, which is mm. part of why I started my own studio was to see if I it was a game to see if I could change it and do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so how long have you been in the yoga industry? I've been teaching for 22 years. Okay, I taught like Quite so I'm of the generation of yoga teachers where some of us taught before we were trained. And I am, I I actually taught a yoga class for two years before I trained as a yoga teacher. Oh yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, so, so, so I just wanted to put that in there because I, just to give a little bit of context, I think. Um, So how do, how does your approach chain uh, differ from what you experienced then as a teacher? Or I guess maybe we should talk about I don't know. You decide. You can either just launch right into that or or include like what you experienced as a teacher in somebody else's studio. The Rebel Movement Club by Move with Billy has been described as a space that gathers up all the misfits and makes them feel at home. It's a virtual club where There is yoga classes, mobility classes, workout classes every single week. And it's a month by month membership. Best part is it's queer safe, led by someone who is queer and non-binary. It is trauma-informed, led by someone who has experienced trauma and it's truly anti-diet. Like nothing to do with diet culture here. It's a space where you can show up as yourself, practice online you can get the recordings and really have this space and the freedom encouragement to listen to your body notice how movements feel in your body and go from there there's three different tiers of membership options whether you want to practice five times a month with the live classes or up to vip where you want to do all the classes and get personalized one-on-one support Each membership has a bunch of perks. You get all of the on-demand, you get discounts, you get free workshops, you get, it's so great. Join the club today by clicking the link in the show notes and enjoy the episode. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, so when I started, you know, 20 years ago, I was the very first yoga class I taught was actually at a theater, like, and it's a, a couple friends of mine. I am, if I'm to tell you my story of how I became a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist, I'm the most reluctant yoga professional that ever <laughs> was. Like, I never sat down at any point and was like, I feel called to do this. Literally, other people were calling me on the phone, like, you are called to do this. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm agreeable enough by personality, I, you know, like mm -hmm. an overachiever enough that I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. My friends started the studio. They had somebody set up for this yoga class that was going to happen when the when the theater wasn't working, operating. And the story is that the person who said yes to this random yoga class at this theater in my town walked in and said the energy wasn't right and they couldn't teach the class from there because the vibrations were wrong and that mm -hmm. is I'm like i'm quoting and yeah. and i hear i've heard that quote in some degree so many times over my 20 years to which i always respond this is why we can't have nice things like you just have to show <laughs> up and teach like you just yeah. have to teach even if it's not the most perfect or ideal space you just go and you teach mm -hmm. and so the guy kept calling me and calling me saying, I know you're a regular practitioner. Will you teach this class? And I kept saying, no, over and over again. No, no. Well, his wife is one of my best friends and his wife called me and was like, will you do this as a personal favor for me? And I was like, fuck. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> and I taught this class and it was the same series for all six weeks. And everybody wanted to stay after the six weeks. They were like, will you just keep coming? And so I kept teaching. And then after a while, I, I got really scared that I was going to hurt somebody. So I wanted to get trained. And when I first trained these 20 years ago, it cost $700. <laughs> it was like, like I just oh, walked yeah. in, I handed my $700. And after like the series of time, this was before the yoga Alliance even really started the 200 hours. Mm -hmm. I was a yoga teacher. Yeah weirdest like most that. reluctant way <laughs> yeah yeah it is very much like how did you phrase it at the beginning like you can't kick it no matter how much you can't it's yeah it's a relationship i keep trying to break up with and it's like <laughs> my boyfriend for life <laughs> yeah he's finally coming back <laughs> um so then what what was your experience like when you did you work at studios after working at the theater I did. So at the at the time after I'd gotten trained, my first marriage broke up. My ex-husband left me to be in another relationship and I had an infant son. And so oh, yeah. I knew at that time that A, I had one skill as an adult that wasn't waiting tables because, you know, I was doing the thing of like waiting tables and teaching yoga and just, you know, like being pregnant and in my late 20s. Um, I had one skill and that was teaching yoga and I knew I liked it. And I knew that I could I could schedule my work around when I could find childcare. So yeah. I had these these buckets of time when my son was with his father that I could teach, and I packed them. So I was teaching eighteen classes a week, oh. and and like. I mean, for a while while I was building my business, I mean, and this is this is also why I'm really passionate for us to have careers because I don't want anybody to do what I did or have to live through what I lived through. But I remember mm -hmm. when I was building my class schedule because, you know, 18 classes don't just come all at once like you're picking them up here and there and building them in yeah. places. I was eating one hard boiled egg and a cup of cottage cheese a day and 
like all the rest of my food budget was going to my my oh, infant man. baby son like yeah and i was holding on to my house and like all these things were in place and i was just using but yoga had the ability to a help me regulate my nervous system so i wasn't a hot mess mm-hmm. and b i could build my schedule like however I wanted to. So I did have studio classes, but at that time I was also teaching yoga at a place where there were livestock auctions because I live in the Midwest of the United States. Livestock gets traded here. And so I was like in the middle of the country, rural America, which we don't talk about sharing yoga for people who have access to nothing, but I was driving to the middle of the country in this building that had livestock auctions and like hoedowns and yoga classes every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Oh, cool. <laughs> and there All happening us. at the same time or like on a well, schedule? It was on a schedule and it would just be, but sometimes the livestock auctions would happen during the day and I would come in at 6 p.m. and they hadn't cleaned the floors and there was hay and we were just there with our mats doing yeah. it. <laughs> like, <Aww. laughs> That's cute. I mean, it's an industry that doesn't exist anymore, right? Like we don't that way. Most of the yoga moved into the studio spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that was how I made my living. And (laughs) eventually I realized I wanted to make more money per hour than yoga classes were paying me. And Mm -hmm. so I trained to be a yoga therapist. And in my head, the reason why I did that was so that I could charge $60 an hour like a massage therapist would. So Mm -hmm. I could make more money in the time that I had to work. So that was how I became a yoga therapist. Like there was no grand reason that I felt called to do that. I literally just wanted to make more money as a yoga professional. Now I can say happily, I charge $150 an hour and it's much better now. (laughs) I was going to say that's really low. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, um, I don't know if this is an inappropriate question to ask or whatever, but um and I know it's it's depending on like inflation whatever but were you making like minimum as a as a teacher when you were working in the studio before or was it like a set rate or we paid per student and I paid five dollars a student and there was no flat fee so there was no like so if you came and one person came you got paid five dollars and if nobody came you didn't get paid and if nobody came you didn't get paid that is still that studio still stands today. That is still their policy. That is still, to my knowledge, how they get paid is that if oh. you have a class and nobody comes, you don't get paid. Because sometimes people come to my studio and I'm like, well, yeah, we're building this class. It's so nobody will come and they'll be like, oh, that's a bummer. And I'm like, well, don't forget to pick up your paycheck. And they'll be like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, I've paid you for your time. <laughs> like, yeah. Excuse me. That's something that's been on my mind a lot recently because, well, I just have been thinking about it. Maybe part of our conversations and conversations I've been a part of about yoga industry as a, as a whole is this idea where you're hired as a teacher, you're getting paid, whatever. And then it's your responsibility to fill up the room, but like, you're not being, I guess maybe because I've been shifted, I've shifted to a studio owner of like an online studio that I like. I wasn't being paid as a marketer. That would be a whole different wage. I'm being paid as a teacher. I'm the person who comes in and teaches. You don't pay me to market this. Yes, yes, yes. Marketing is my job. I wish I knew that as a teacher. 
Yeah. It's my job, not your job. And I don't hire, like, because that also creates the wrong reward within studio culture, right? So you're rewarding teachers who are good at social media or good at marketing, but not good at teaching. And that's just utter nonsense. It is nonsense. Like, it is nonsense because also sometimes it's like weird weather or there's a holiday or there's like a I don't know festival down the street or a yeah. bunch of things that could not be the anything to do with the teacher at all most of the time I've realized it actually has nothing to do with the teacher and everything to do with life itself <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah. really correct and oftentimes like it's a shift in the time like I just at my studio in the past couple weeks I've had teachers traveling all over and so one of them the class had been a little bit lower and I was like, oh, I want to play with the start time. So I subbed out all those classes and I just played with the start time. And immediately we had more people in that class because we played mm. with that for half an hour and she's not lost anything since I left and she came back. Like, it's not, I'm good at my job. I know I'm good at my job, but it's not, I'm not so miraculous that I'm going to fill a room and she's going to have nobody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like yeah. the, the job itself can be skillful over time, but also it's not that hard. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, no wonder just this one factor we talked about, no wonder there's been times in studios where teachers have felt like they're, that maybe they're not good enough or yeah. maybe they're just not an employee because there's systems like this in place where you're literally questioned if the, if the class is low, you're, it's the conversation of like, oh, how come you're not filling the room instead of your approach now? which is one of the things that you've told me before that I was like, I literally took a second to be like, well, like I, it's just so <laughs> profound for me to hear a te- like a studio owner say this of like, Hey, what if, what about, it's actually just nothing to do with the teacher and maybe it has to do with the time. Yeah. Maybe it's just simple. No. And that's, there's not to say that of course there, sometimes it's a teacher, but sometimes the teacher issue is like, I have a yin teacher at a time when people really want a like strong flow. Like that also doesn't mean that yin teacher is bad. That means that it's a mismatch in timing, right? So if this is all like, I often use like a dating analogy, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can find the one, but you can find the one when you're in your like, I want to go out and date everybody time like that's a mismatch in time too yeah, like it doesn't mean true. that you're a bad person or they're a bad person it's just not right for yeah. those factors yeah oh exactly I love these conversations every time we've had them because <laughs> um, there's another thing that you've we've talked about before and I mean I told specifically specific stories that I won't necessarily talk about now because it's just different on a public platform but when students give like students at your studio give feedback about the teacher that your approach is like obviously listen to the feedback correct me if I'm wrong just from what I'm remembering but also that you like have your teachers back that's like one of your first that's like your priority is that your teachers are safe feeling right yeah and that's in my manual right (laughs) like that's not just like like it's not like an under the radar kind of policy like I believe in firm, I, I call it firm energy exchange in all things, right? So like my teachers can show up with full whole hearts because they know that I'm showing up with a full whole heart and hopefully we're encouraging students to come up with a full whole heart. But sometimes the student has a bad day or they don't like, you know, whatever so-and-so did. And sometimes I'll hear that feedback and I'm like, okay, that's fine, but I've paid I've paid them to be good at their jobs, right? And and mm-hmm. 
while I want my students to have a good experience, sometimes they're a mismatch, right? Like maybe the mismatch is that you're attending a class at a time you can come to, but that class isn't what you're looking for in this space. Yeah. And, and I like, I love my students. I love the community I've built, but also I've purposely cultivated a community where we're all here to support each other. And so if we have students who are coming in who are here to rip everybody down or be like, well, you know, I love to play devil's advocate. So here's the feedback of X, Y, and Z. Like, babe, the devil doesn't need more advocates and we're all in this (laughs) together. Yeah. If you feel like you can tell me and not them, A, that's like, you know, I want you to feel safe if there's like a sexual harassment issue or something like that. But sometimes Mm. it's just people being crappy. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And I should say like, and I know that this probably doesn't need to be said, but just in case, because I've had a few conversations of late, um, this isn't conversation where this, we don't mean conversations about like a teacher who said something extraordinarily inappropriate. Correct. Um, I just, I won't repeat the thing that I've heard because it's absolutely horrible and should never have happened in a studio but moments like this are a different conversation not like not less taking the students feedback I just I know like know that anyone who's listened to this podcast before and knows either of us know this but I just feel like it needs to be said explicitly yeah that not that not that kind of situation we don't mean that here <laughs> yes because you should also read my sexual harassment policy in my manual it is several pages yeah. long like like I am not messing around on that end too but like I'm creating all these policies so that everybody feels safe and warm and invited and welcoming like that's the creation of my space like I built it into the fabric of what I made so Mm -hmm. that conversations like feedback conversations or this or that like that can be happening in the open it can be happening in a positive and productive way like also that allows the students to reflect and be like oh yeah maybe that class wasn't right for me because i came in ready for a hot flow and the teacher taught something that was relaxing you know yeah yeah that's true i like that that that, that, i like that that is your approach that it's like how can we all feel safe and all be like held space for um this is a big conversation and I don't know that we're obviously we'll touch all the points that we want to for this next part. And you already know what I'm going to ask you. Um, what changes do you think need to happen in the Western westernized yoga industry? Oh my gosh. Okay. So there are <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like my answer for you today would be different than my answer even two years ago. So even two years ago, I would have listed all of the things that I thought were wrong and needed to be changed. And, you know, yes, we need to be more trauma-informed and yes, we need to be more conscious about cultural appropriation and movement safety and all these things. But honestly, I will tell you the one thing I think needs to change is we need to feel like we've got each other's backs. Yeah, I like that a lot. Like we need to feel like we are us, not you and you and you and you and you and me. Like we Mm. need an us. We need, we need to feel like, 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 it's funny because this one social media post that I posted a couple weeks ago that I just thought of, like, like, it just came to my head and I just posted it. It took me two minutes and I've had more comments about it. And it was just, we all have the same job. We Mm -hmm. all have the same job. 
Are you a Vinny yoga teacher? Are you a hot power flow teacher? Are you a vinyasa teacher? Are you a movement modality teacher? Are you primarily teaching the queer and trans community? We all have the same damn job. Mm -hmm. and we have more in common with each other than we do with anybody else. Yeah. And I want us to be here for us the way that we're here for our students. Like, yeah. that's, that's what I want to change. I think that's such a good one because a lot of these other changes, it's harder to make those happen when you feel like you're on your own, whether it's at your, at your particular studio or if you're like a solo um, entrepreneur, whatever, it's like, especially if you're new, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but if you're newer in teaching yoga, it can very much feel like, okay, now, like now what? Or when there's a shift, like when we went to online and there, if there's no community there, it's like, okay, but how do I do this? Like, what do I do? And it's like in any kind of job, the there's this sense of community that comes from having like a coworker of some sort that you can be like, oh, doesn't this one type of moment suck so much? And you're like, yes, it could just, you feel seen. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it can be, it can make a bigger differences than just like creating, creating community, right? Yeah, it's, I, I mean, there's so much like infighting amongst us, right? So there are those of us who are shifting in one direction and taking our teaching, you know, in this one way. And then the folks in that group virtue signal about how they're doing this thing that other people aren't doing. And this other group over here doesn't want to talk because they're just, you know, like, oh, nobody understands us or, you know, we're doing this thing that everybody craps on or something like that. Like, mm -hmm we all have the same jobs. I want us all to be friends. Like if, yeah. and this is something that I built into my business that I really had to pause for a minute. Like, especially, you know, when we were culturally changing, we were having in the US, we were having a lot of riots when the murder of George Floyd happened in Minneapolis and those kind of things. And I was going, look, if everybody is welcome, everybody is welcome. Not just the people who think and act like me everybody is welcome. And if I can build a space where we can have a conversation where everybody feels safe to do that, like that's the goal. And that's the mm -hmm. ultimate goal with the work I do within the industry is like, let's build spaces where people who are like teaching, you know, fitness, hot power core can have conversations with folks who are on the cutting edge of social justice reform. And we can sit down and be like, but ultimately we have the same job. Mm -hmm. How can we support each other? Like, I used to be the queen of like the judgy yoga teacher was like, I'm doing this thing and those people don't understand <laughs> and they're all hurt people <laughs> and all this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, like, I have, I was wrong. Like we all have this job and it's so mm -hmm. lonely when we don't look at it that way. Yeah, that's true. Cause you can still teach within your niche or yeah. specialty or however you want to think about it and not put yourself above other people or shut other people out because yeah. I think that I think it happens in a lot of industries obviously I see I've seen it more in this industry because I have worked in this industry for longer but there's in some studios or some um, I don't know, yoga, I don't know, spe more specific yoga parts of the industry. I can't think yeah. of how to yeah. explain that part, but it's, there's like certain teachers who are like put on a pedestal or certain types of teachers are 
are like, oh, these are like the good teachers or whatever. And there's just this sort of um, almost a culture of like this person or this type of teacher is better than other people. Yeah. And that can feel so isolating as literally anybody because you're like, oh, maybe I'm not like, I'm not that as, I'm not good enough because I don't do this specific thing. I don't have this specific approach. I've heard, I've seen it and felt it both in approaches of like, I don't know, certain ways of showing up in the room sure. to, to the exact same class or certain ways of wording things or certain types of classes or certain niches. It just, you're like, it's, you're right. It's very much this culture of like, oh, this person is better. Or this type of teacher is better, but you're right. We would like all have the same job. It's literally the same thing yeah. with slightly different, like spices on top or something. Well, it's true. I mean, when I started my podcast a couple of years ago, I just started asking people about why they started yoga and guess what? We all started. I don't care what like variation, what brand of yoga you teach. The minute I'm like, yeah, but this job is great and it's so impactful and yoga has made such an impact in my life. I don't care who is across, you know, the zoom screen for me. They all go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This thing, this practice had a great and profound impact on my life. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. And that's really like, to me, I was like, Oh, I love us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think it can also be very humbling to remember that, that we all started the same way and we all, or maybe not the same exact way, but similar ways. We all have similar motivations to help people and like we're doing the same job. And I think that in turn can help us do the other work that um, I know you've talked about before. And I think I've talked about, I probably have talked about it before of like helping folks who have been discriminated against feel, not just feel safer, but do the work of um, looking at our internal biases and like putting that into action too. And that becomes easier when you have a sort of the sense of community and you've taken your self off the pedestal or taking other people off the pedestal and can recognize like hey my boss actually wasn't better than me I was a good employee it yes. was not me it wasn't you yeah it wasn't you and if you're yeah. listening and you've had that same experience where you felt vilified or shamed or you were in that culture like no two things one it wasn't you and two your boss probably learned that from somebody else who made them feel that way. Yeah, that's true. Like we've just like everything else, we've been passing these patterns down this, like, this is how I feel like I should be as a, you know, lead teacher, a studio owner, a boss or whatever, like, but you Mm -hmm. learned that from somebody. And unless you're actively in the deconstruction moment, which is like my jam, right? Like I want to unlearn everything. I thought I learned just because I like that, you know, (laughs) not everybody's that way, (laughs) but like, like they felt that way too at one point. And maybe they're sitting there also wondering like, God, this doesn't make me feel good either. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's true. We don't have to do what's always been done. We don't have to market in the way that we've always marketed. We don't have to be in diet culture and wellness industry. We can do things that are different because what other industry is better set up for it than us? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's not like a personal slight or anything if we are doing these things. Like it can feel at the beginning of those switches into anti-diet or into doing um, anti-racism work and a whole list that I could put in here. It's difficult because if you've never done it before, it can feel like you're kind of facing your ego in a certain way. Um, And it's similar there too. It's like, I mean, yes, there are personal parts, but it's not you as in you are a horrible person for having, you know, said, hey guys, and recognizing the harm that can cause. It's like, okay, yes, you've made this mistake. It's something that has been a cultural or wider, bigger issue in our society. And now we can learn to take it apart. Is this making any sense? Because I feel like I went on a a little rant. (laughs) No, I think that makes total sense. So I actually was recording yesterday with somebody who I love, Christine Weber, and she runs Subtle Yoga, and she's well known in the yoga therapy community. And after I pressed pause and we had, you know, the little wrap up chat afterwards, we were talking about marketing in the community and somebody who I admire, who we both admire, had said something online last week that gave us both pause because I was like, dang, I hate it when they do that. And uh, like somebody who I like and I'm like, oh, I don't want you to be that way. (laughs) Like that made me feel bad. I know that made other people feel bad. And she just sat there and she's like, yeah, but we all make mistakes. Right. And we're all learning. Right. And I was like, oh. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we do all make mistakes. We do we all do miss the mark mistakes. sometimes. Mm-hmm. We have to give other people grace like we give ourselves grace and give ourselves that grace too because sometimes it's harder for us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having this conversation. I feel like we could keep on keep on going, but um, maybe we'll just have to do another one sometime. I'm game. <laughs> awesome. Can you, if um, anything you want to plug here before we end, where people can find you or anything like that? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Sebastian Yoga. I do also run a podcast. It's called Working in Yoga. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts. And this summer, I have a free professional development challenge for yoga pros. We're all going to unpack where we are in our yoga professional development so that you don't have to buy another course and another coach and another class <laughs> without really knowing what what your next steps are so nice. yeah that sounds cool Finally done. awesome thank you thank yeah. you um if you have any questions um those of you listening you can send them to info at movewithbilly.com i'll make sure i of course send them to rebecca you can also find me on instagram tiktok and facebook at move with billy but like i say every single week if you want to have a conversation just go on tiktok because i i don't know how to do that on either of those places so i probably don't check them enough <laughs> thank you so much for listening um rate review subscribe all those things it means a lot to me and i will talk to you soon thanks for having